All right, new format, going very interactive with a Facebook Live broadcast a few weeks ago. We figured, since we had such great anatomy review content in Clash of the Craniums, why not release each round as a, a podcast episode? So, uh, students looking for the board exam or clinicians looking to bone up on some anatomy trivia, here's round number two with Clash of the Craniums trivia on NPTE StudyCast. Now, what's going to be interesting here, Jimmy, is how many people changed their name for round two. Mm, I would change my name. I would try to get now that I know that people are being creative. Fool's nerve. I'm seeing you. All right, I had more than 130 playing last time, so we'll give it a minute. Let me get back to that. Hopefully, let us know if you are experiencing that lag again. Because, Matt, our goal is long-term. Do this on a semi-regular basis. That's the goal. The goal is yeah. that on a regular interval, we're going to run these just like you would run a regular trivia night at a local pub. So if we're not getting it perfect, let us know. And we'll make sure we can, I'll figure it out somehow. I'll just bang on the computer a little bit. We'll just, we'll just hit it a few times. All right. Wow. Apparently we've picked up a few people since last round. We're across 147 um, competitors. We'll give another 20 seconds before we start round number two. And, and before we start anything, Jimmy, I do have a request for a dad joke. So, dad joke. Feel free. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to tell a joke about the Suez Canal, but that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have better than that. Oh, well, that's usually how my jokes go. Yeah, literally, one of my students say, You know what I love about your anatomy class? You always start with a terrible joke. And I'm like, Thanks. Wow. It's a quick way to lose 10 points on a quiz. All right. We're across 156 participants. Uh, I feel like we're waiting for popcorn to pop. I'm pretty sure that's right. it. 155. Here we go. Get a rip right there. And round number two. Let's do this thing. Clash of the Cradium is round number two out of four. And here we go. First question up. Which of the following is a valid neurological test for the femoral nerve? Which of the following is a valid neurological test for the femoral nerve? Is it the patellar tendon reflex? Is it hip adduction, knee flexion, or hip abduction? Which of the following is a valid neurological test for the femoral nerve? Uh, the faster you lock in the correct answer, the more points you will get as we have less than six seconds to go. Patellar tendon reflex, hip adduction, deflection, or hip abduction. What do you think it is as we take a look at the answer choices? And a majority knowing that patellar tendon reflex is the valid neurological test for that femoral nerve. This one smells like an MPTE question or some something could have come from this. Oh, absolutely, Jimmy. Absolutely. All right. Let's see how we move on here. It's going to be a okay coming in <laughs> right now. G Money, leader in the clubhouse right out of the gate. Let's go to question two in round two. And here we are. Which of the following ligaments would most likely uh, uh, be affected with an inversion ankle sprain? Which of the following ligaments would be most likely affected with an inversion ankle sprain? Some early answers already locked in. Is it Calcaneofibular, deltoid, long plantar, or dorsal talonavicular. What do you think it is? Lock in your answer choices. Do we get a different dad joke every round? I think that would be appropriate. I can definitely do a different dad joke every round. Wow, more than 100 of you out of 155. Calcaneofibular, the ligament most likely to be affected with an inversion ankle sprain. Very good. 
I said, overall, I am super impressed with PT students. Four J's in the three spots. ZP1127 back on the board. And Humdinger Squirts coming across at 1656, leading after two questions. All right. Question three. The somatic sensations of the inferior border of the buttock would follow which sensory pattern? Somatic sensations of the inferior border of the buttock would follow which sensory pathway? Is it S2, L5, S1, or S3? It's the best part, like in anatomy tests. I remember back in PT school, like just classmates standing up and like touching themselves in the middle of the test. Totally normal in PT school. No one even bats an eye. Our last exam looked like a really bad game of Twister. It was awful. All right, locking those answer choices. And what do we think? Yes. Wow, this one evenly spread. Look at that inverse bell curve we've got there. 52 of you getting it right. Very close from S2 to S3, but inferior border of the buttock. Uh, what's the easiest way to remember this one, Matt? So the easiest way to remember the dermatomes is actually have the patient bend over, and literally the dermatomes follow from cephalad or head all the way down to the butt. And that makes yeah. it a lot easier to remember that way. Dermatomes don't make any sense until the person bends over and puts their hands out. That's exactly right. And it makes complete sense right there. All right, so 52 of you got it right. As we change scores there, Chad coming in first, Sartorius, and Zena round up the top three. All right, question number four. An IV placed on the dorsum of the hand has the potential to affect which of the following nerves? IV on the dorsum of the hand, potential to affect which of the following nerves? Is it deep branch of the radial nerve, superficial branch of the radial nerve, deep branch of the ulnar nerve, or superficial branch of the ulnar nerve? As we get a lot of questions locked in with five seconds remaining in this one. Dorsum of the hand, following nerve, affected which that is right a majority a good majority there we're firing back here 107 of you knew that it was the superficial branch of the radial nerve the best part about something like this matt even if you get it wrong you're kind of like all right now i know what i need to look, to work on that's exactly right and you know for at least the students at our university they had a lot of this material last semester so it's been a good six months since we covered the hand okay Perfect. All right, let's check out that uh, the leaderboard. Just wanted to check in on the lag to see if we fixed that. Did refreshing the uh, the browser help? Let us know. We want to make sure we get this thing right. Uh, just below 3,000 points, Sartorius, that Taylor's muscle coming in first. Chad K and Zena round out the podium. All right. Here we go. Question five out of 10 in round number two. A patient has cancer of the head of the pancreas. Pain would be referred to which of the following dermatomes? Patient has cancer of the head of the pancreas. Pain would be referred to which of the following dermatomes? Is it T5 through 9, T1 through 4, T11, and T12? What do you think it is? Less than three to go. And then it's correct. A good majority there, T5 through 9. A lot of those pain referral patterns uh, questions, I remember those from practice tests and thinking, oh, yeah, I need to know this stuff. Chad K taking the lead. Zena Sartoria is still running up chop uh, three here. Jonathan uh, ties and uh, hashtag winning in the top handful. 
Let's move on here as we pass the midway point of round number two. Uh, which clinical sign would be most likely with an injury to the ulnar nerve at the medial epicondyle? What do you think? Which clinical sign would be most likely with an injury to the ulnar nerve at the medial epicondyle? Is it weak inflection of the wrist? Weak inflection of digits one and two? Is it paresthesia of the thumb or weakened pronation? Three seconds left. Lock in your answer choices here on question number six. And it looks like 87 of you knew that a clinical sign with an injury to the ulnar nerve of the medial epicondyle will be weakened flexion of the wrist. Walk us through this one, Matt. So let's remember that not just the median nerve is going to help with the wrist flexors, but the ulnar nerve is going to innervate muscles like flexor carpi ulnaris, which is going to help with flexion of the wrist. Good to remember. And we have a bonus dad joke from the audience. A woodpecker flies into a bar and says, is the bar tender here? Very, very, very well done. I like that. Oh, that's amazing. Well done. Well done. You gotta, you gotta appreciate a good dad joke. All right, let's move on to the next question. We take a look at the scoreboard there. Zena climbing the charts. Jonathan, Sartorius, Preston, and Allie round out the top five. I'd love to share a good dad joke. Feel free. Uh, question seven out of ten in round number two. An injury to the, which of the following cranial nerves is most likely to result in sensitivity to sound? What do we think? Sensitivity to sound, cranial nerve, go there. Is it accessory? Cranial 11, vagus, 10, lasopharyngeal, is that 9, or facial, 7? What do you think it is? Cranial nerve most likely to result in sensitivity to sound. Lock in your answer choices. And yes, we've got 76 of you correctly identifying facial nerve. Uh, why were people, why, why might people get this one wrong? Why is it facial nerve? Where, where do we go there? What's your thought process? So, so the thought process is facial nerve is going to have some sensory innervation for reception of sound. So if you look at your other answer choices here, you know, vagus nerve is going to be your parasympathetic nervous system. Accessory nerve obviously innervates muscles like your um, upper trapezius and glossopharyngeal. You know, my students are going to get a kick out of this because I always say it says what it is, is what it says. It's the nerve that innervates the tongue and the pharynx. That's it. That's all it is. It is what it says. It says what it is. I like that. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on and see how the uh, the scoreboard is looking as Danielle gives us a bonus dad joke. Did you hear the rumor about butter? Well, I'm not spreading it. Oh. Mike Pasco also chiming in. Have you heard about the corduroy pillows? They're making headlines. <laughs> oh, man. It's Come getting the anatomy trivia. Stay for the dad jokes as we move on. Zena's still on top, breaking the 5,000-point <laughs> barrier as we go to the next question. All right, number eight out of 10 in round number two. Neurons that control skeletal muscles have cell bodies for these neurons located in the blank. Neurons that control skeletal muscles have cell bodies for these neurons. They're located in the dorsal horn, dorsal root, ventral horn, or ventral root. What do you think? Lock in your answer choices with 10 seconds left. Love the Bobby Brown meme. Use that three, four times a week. It really fit here. Use your head, right? And there we go. Neurons that control skeletal muscles have cell bodies for these neurons located in the ventral horn, 
Why should why why should someone just snap right to that, man? Well, let's think about it. If your um your nerves that control skeletal muscle, all your motor function that comes from your ventral horn or your spinal cord, all the dorsal horn um, or dorsal section of the spinal cord, that's going to be more mostly your afferent or sensory nerves. So really super important when you are evaluating your patients. If you have a patient that has all motor deficits, but no sensory deficit, you should automatically think, whoa, this person may have a ventral root or ventral horn or ventral side of the spinal cord injury as opposed to the dorsal. Perfect. All right. 71 of you getting that correct. We want to make sure we knew that. And uh, Preston Pterodactyl and King Timmy, seven with A.A. Ron and the odd facet round out the top five. Some really, really good Kahoot names in this round. Appreciating that as we go on to question nine out of 10 in round number two. What artery is most at risk from an ulcer that has perforated the posterior superior part of the pyloric canal? What arter, artery most at risk from an ulcer that has perforated the posterior superior, superior part of the pyloric canal? Is it right gastric? Is it left gastric? Is it gastroduodenal or gastroduodendal? Lock in your answer choices with three seconds left. Now people are sharing more dad jokes in there. All right, <laughs> this one spread across the board. Walk us through this one, Matt. Ooh, so let's let's remember what the right gastric is going to do and what the left gastric is going to do. So the left gastric artery is going to give off a, a little branch that's going to hit the posterior superior part of the pyloric canal. Remember where the pyloric canal and pyloric sphincter is? It comes right off the inferior aspect of the stomach, which is going to actually be on the lesser curvature of the stomach. So the left gastric artery is going to be the correct answer there. Left gastric. That was a tough one. All right. But that just telling, you, telling you what you need to study. That's, that's perfect. All right. Move on to the next question. This won't be the uh, pronunciation doesn't count out of me. Thank you. I appreciate that, Mike. I've also had two drinks. <laughs> Actually, though, the more the more I drink, the, the smarter this sounds. Uh, we've got pressed at the top of the leaderboard. Pterodactyl AA Ron ZP1127 still hanging in there. And King Timmy 7. As we go to the final question... Herniation of the C5, C6 intervertebral disc would most likely present as which impairment? In a herniation of C5, 6 intervertebral disc, most likely present as elbow flexion and thumb opposition, shoulder abduction and elbow flexion, shoulder abduction and wrist adduction, or shoulder abduction and shoulder elevation. Which impairments would it most likely look like? C5 and C6 intervertebral disc. Presenting as, let's go to the answer choice, 74 of you coming home. Man, students are paying attention. They're doing a great job, Jimmy. They're, I am so impressed with everybody. All right, walk through the behind the scenes, the replay on this one. C5-6 intervertebral disc. Well, remember that even though we have seven cervical vertebrae, we have eight cervical nerves. So we have a C0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and eight, and then we have T1 more inferior to that. So a intervertebral disc herniation at C5, C6, if you count down, that's gonna be the nerve that's gonna hit shoulder abduction, that's gonna hit elbow flexion, because that's gonna be mostly C5. Nope, I'm sorry, that's gonna be C6. Perfect, all right, so shoulder abduction and elbow flexion, the answer is 74 of you, getting that right. Yeah, great job, all We're right. The final question. Oh, that, oh, was, I think that, yeah, that was number 10. Right, that was number 10. A. Aaron. Pterodactyl with the silver. 
And with 10 out of 10 answering quickly as well, Preston. Clash of the Craniums round two. 